Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezach Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Ches in Maseches Gitin. Welcome back, Andrew. I think Barry will be here. We, let's see. We talked about, when we started Perak HaSholeach, I started telling you, oh, wait till you see Chatziyah V'Chatziyah Ben Choron. And, like, and initially, we didn't have it. I guess when I first learned it, I was traumatized. I was coming from Hank, and I was like, slavery? What's going on here? And so that's what stuck out for me. There was a few blot before we hit it, but now we're hitting slavery in stride. Um, so I think it behooves us to just say that the concept of slavery we'll just say very, very briefly. Um, obviously, there's a difference between an Ebed Ivri and an Ebed Kanani. Ebed Ivri is another Jewish guy owed you money, and then you would take him on, and he would offer his right services uh, instead of giving, paying you, in a way, as a way of paying you back, and that has its own set of halachos. Uh, Perhaps most famously, we know that that is frowned upon. In other words, you don't really, this is a very temporary measure, right? You know, the guy with the, you bring him to the doorpost with the ear because he's not really supposed, and, and he's not really supposed to uh, be a long term Evid. That's when he chooses to be a long term Evid. That's frowned upon. Really, at Shemitah, they're supposed to already go back. Um, they're supposed to, to stop. I'm just stalling because I hear barriers coming here. Not really stalling, but the Evid Kanani. Is a different thing. That is real obvious. So with the Evid Ivri, you don't have what's called Kenyan Aguf, right? It's it's all, you know, like this monetary, almost like a paying back. With the Evid with the Evid Ivri, you don't have that, right? With the Evid Kanani, good morning. We're talking about slavery finally, Barry. Uh, the, the only thing that Barry likes more than Utitz Nakuv is an Evid Kanani. So the Evid Kanani is uh, it's frowned upon to let them go. You're supposed to keep them as slaves. So, you know, you ask a, an average Jewish person, say, yeah, what's the problem? You're supposed to keep them as slaves. You know, you ask a, a very thought out Machod Shlomo guy in, in Passaic and you ask them, you know, what is the story of slavery? Is it not a stain on humanity? So maybe they'll say something like this, which is, to, which is first of all, slavery was a given in the culture. I mean, you captured... A, a, a land, right? You capture a people. They don't have a home. They don't have anywhere to go. So we have a, in the Torah, treat your, we have this concept of treat your slaves nicely. And perhaps the reason why you're not supposed to let them go is because, you know, if you let them go, then they won't be treated so nicely, right? In other words, that is not a nice thing to do for that slave to let them go because we have a lot of halachas about treating them, right? We're very conscious of the fact that we were slaves, uh, in our history, and uh, so again, it's an incomplete answer, but it has a lot to do with today's daf, because what really is supposed to do is supposed to, what? Treat your slave nicely, hold on to the slave. By the way, the Ebed Kanani, obviously, by definition, is not Jewish, but he has a conversion. When they're living with you, you're not going to have this non-Jewish person, uh, you know, this Kanani, so to speak, live with you. They have to have, if they're male, they have to have a circumcision, whether they're male or female, they have to have a tevila conversion process. They keep mitzvos, okay? And when you do let them go, they become a full-fledged convert, right? A full-fledged Jew. So it's very different. It's contrasted with, let's say, uh, with the American slavery, right? <laughs> There's a lot of differences, right? The, the, Jew, the Jewish concept, the Torah concept of slavery is you conquered a people. They're enslaved anyway. The concept of enslavement was a given. And you take them in, right? And you treat them like a member of your own 
of your, of your own, right? And to the point where they're converted, even though they're not a Jewish, they become converted and as such. And when you do free them, if that were to take place, then they become free. And we'll see uh, the process with, within that goes. That's, a, that's in stark contrast to when you're living uh, a peaceful life in, in America and you say, you know, there's the people that are, you know, not that they're hardly people, right? <laughs> that are a different class that live in a different place where it's almost like they're kind of animals, but kind of people, we can go and like capture them and then use them for our own, right, greedy financial purposes and take them from their like life and just bring them at, uh, to work for us. That's a very different kind of concept of slavery. So there's slavery and there's slavery. Um, and so just with that in mind, we have this interesting concept in the Mishnah of a wild case. What is the case that we had in the Mishnah on Lamed Zion and Bez? Uh, we're going to start six lines up from the bottom, but first I'll just say what the Mishnah said. And how did we get here, by the way? How did we get to slavery in the middle of Gittin? Because we were talking about the different things that we do in Tikkun Olam, one of which is to have signatures on a get. Okay, so we said the Chasima was Pnei Tikkun Olam. Is that according to Rabbi Lazar, the Nei Demesir Karsi? Maybe it's even according to Rabbi Meir, the Nei Chasima Karsi, which means that you have to spell out the names. Okay. But that, in addition to that, another thing that they did be, uh, with regards to Tikkun Olam was that if... Uh, 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 an interesting case. If an Evid Kanani, which we just discussed, is captured by like these uh, Ovde Kachavim. So, right, Ovde Kachavim that get, that capture the Evid Kanani. Mind you, the Evid Kanani is now part of this Jewish family, right? They're, they're, they're doing mitzvahs. And now they're really oppressed because they're being captured by people who, let's say, take them for financial benefit or to torture them and to, you know, mistreat them. And also certainly it would be difficult for them to keep those mitzvot and they already have a status. This is what you mean by kinyan haguf. They have a different status um, that, that's going to be hard for them to deal. So what happens if they get captured? You may want to ransom them, okay? Now, ransoming them, how does that work? So an Evid is captured. So now there's an original master, then the Evid is captured. So the Mishnah said, if you ransom them in order to bring them back as an Evid, so then they go back to being an Evid. But if you capture them, Lashum ben Chorin, if you, if you ransom them in order to free them, then they don't go back to the original owner to be their slave. That's the Tanakama. But Rav Shimon ben Gamliel says, and as we'll see, Rav Shimon ben Gamliel might be the most underrated Tana of all time because we almost always hold like Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. There's an acronym of six times where with Abaye and Rava, we, um, we'll, we'll go with Abaye and everywhere else we go with Rava. Well, Rav Shimon ben Gamliel is only really three times that when he says an opinion, we don't hold like him. Three times, fool, in the whole, in the whole Mishnah. So that's not a lot of times. So we almost always hold like Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. Be that as it may, what's his opinion? That's a wild thing that you get no matter how, right? Whether you, even if you ransom him to set him free, you go back to the original Baal. How does that work? So the Gemara discusses it at great length. Um, and there is, in fact, the Machlokas Abaya and Rava about what's the context here. There's some fundamental things that we have to work out. First of all, who does he, whom does the Evid go to? Again, the question is, an Evid gets captured by bandits, by Ovedek Kachavim, and now you have to ransom him. So the question is, does he go back to slavery or not? So the question, first of all, 
who is he going to be, whose slave is he going to be? The person who ransomed him or the original owner? That's one question. The other question is, did the original owner have Yehush or not? That's very important. What's the context of our Mishnah? If the original owner, when this guy, a whole bunch of bandits come and they capture him, if he had Yish, which is, which is to say that in his mind, he had given up on ever seeing this Evid again, does that constitute uh, freeing the Evid? Does that mean that whoever would, cap, would uh, ransom the Evid would then become his new owner or not? That was a Machlokas Abai and Rava. Rava said, and that's where we're going to really pick up, Rava said that even if that the original owner had uh, Yehush, right, then it still goes, so then what happens? Let's see, actually, we'll read it inside. Look, six lines up from the bottom of Laman Zayin on base. It says, Ula Rava, it's going to articulate Rava's uh, opinion here, Ula Rava de Amr Achar Yehush, right, so it means, again, the reason why the Evan goes back into, into being a slave after he's ransomed is not because the, right, is not because the original, the original Baal did not have Yehush, right? That's one possibility. That's what Abaya says. Abaya says the original Baal never gave up on him. So if the original Baal never gave up on him, so of course he goes back to the original Baal. Rava says no. Even if the original Baal did give up on him, he's going to go back to slavery. Why? So as we'll see, one of the reasons might be that Rava suggests is that if that were not the case, then the slaves would have a easy way of giving themselves of, of turn of getting out of slavery, and it would become mayhem with the slaves. Why so? Because what the Evan Kanani would do would be like, would, he would say they would catch on to this halacha, and they would say, "Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to." Make sure we're going to come over whenever there's like a, a party of bandits that are over the Kachavim, pass through town. We're going to go over and like volunteer to join the gang. And once we volunteer to join the gang, if once we get ransomed, we will get free. So Rava says we don't want that practice to take place. We have this concept of the Olam Bem Tavodu, and therefore we don't allow them to just join a bunch of bandits, even if they join this group of bandits voluntarily, and if we ransom them, we're going to ransom them and they're going to go back to being slaves, that little patent, that is not going to work. Okay, however, Rava also says that not only does this apply to Achar Yehush, but also Ularabo Sheni. In other words, once it's Achar Yehush, this slave is not going to go back to the original master, but he's going to go back to the second master. Okay, but if that's the case, asks the Gemara, Rabo Sheni Iman Kanilai. Then we have a question. The second master, wait a minute, the person who ransomed him. So who is he uh, essentially right, acquiring the, the master with? Now, again, the one similarity, we just, I, I felt compelled to, to explain the massive difference between the slavery, uh, uh, right, the, the American uh, slavery and this Evid Kanani concept in the Torah. But there is one thing that is similar, which is they are treated um, Halachically, in terms of like property, right? There's transactional uh, things that, that uh, with regards to the slave. And the question is, if that's the case, we know also another concept that the avadim were treated to, uh, in in many ways like karka, right? Like like a like real estate. And so we're not going to get into all the details of that. 
But suffice it to say, you need to have a Kenyan, right? You need to acquire this slave. So wait a minute. Who is the second master? If you go according to Rava, this is what the Gemara is asking now. If you go according to the Rava, that the original master had Yehush, right? He gave up on owning this slave. And then the slave was part of a, of a gang of bandits, and he, uh, of, of the Kachavim. And now the second master, he, kept, he uh, ransoms him. So who did, the, who did, he, did he do the Maisa Kenyan with? He didn't do the Maisa Kenyan with the original owner. The original owner had Yehush. So what does that mean? He did the original Kenyan with what? The bandits? That's who's being machinated to him? So let's see. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon, uh, Rabbi Shani, rather, Miman Kanilei. Who is the second Rav, uh, the second master being conned from? So you have to say, Mishabai, from the captor, right? The Dekachavim. So then the Gemara says, Shabai Gufei Mikanilei. So who is the captor, right, acquiring it from? Does he have legal ownership? Do Dekachavim have legal ownership uh, when, to, have, to make a Kenyan? So the Gemara says, yes, in Kanilei Lamasa Yadav. They have, as Rashi explains, that there's different levels of kinyanim. That is true. That is true. And Rashi explains, it's a very sort of like important fundamental Rashi, and he quotes Yavamas, which we learned in Acholot and Memzayin of Bez, right? Might be worth it to read this Rashi. He says, V'Yisrael kanilei miyodav l'maisa yodav. L'maisa yodav bekaspa, right? So the maisa yadayim, has to do with it's a monetary, right? Maisei Dayim, as we know, is your you're, you're being Kona, right? His productivity. That you could do, that Ovdek Chavim have the ability to do. And without, I, I don't think I'm going to read the Rashi inside because we, for the sake of time, but the, but the bottom line is that the Rashi says a major Chiddush that when it comes to Ovdek Chavim, an Ovdek Chavim can even be Kona, what? A Yisrael. We're going to see enough of this in the Gemara, so we don't have to read it in the Rashi inside. But when it comes to uh, having uh, ownership over productivity, well, guess what? There is such a thing as a non-Jewish boss who, you know, not all Jews think this way, but this certainly does exist, right? A non-Jewish boss who owns, so to speak, the productivity of their Jewish employee. That exists. You have a non-Jewish employer who owns the productivity of their employee, of their Jewish employee. So my daim is a different thing than slavery. It is in that context that we say that you are being Kona the Evid. So again, the Ovid Kachavim, by virtue of the fact that when they, let's say, captured this Evid, they acquired him, perhaps not at the same level, right, of Kenyan Aguf as, as, they, as a Yisrael, as the original owner did, but by virtue of the fact that they transactionally acquired the productivity of this slave, they can then have enough of a connection, we'll call it, to the slave that they can transfer that, they can be machinated, that productivity over to the next captor. Okay, so that's basically what's going on. The Gemara is going to explain that a little bit, a little bit more. How do we know? As follows. This is the source of the idea of being Kona the Maisei Daim. Dama Rish Lakish, because Rish Lakish said, How do we know that, let's say, transactionally amongst each other, the Ovid Kachavim can be Kona each other's productivity? This is the concept of Canaan. Uh, Ironically, you can't take an, an Evid from actual Canaan. So the the uh, Evid Kanani might be an oxymoronic term, right? Like we were told, you can't capture actual Evid from Kanan, but if the father of, let's say you had a Kanani woman and 
the and she was uh, with a non-Kanani, non-Jewish husband, the child of such a union that you could capture. That's what the pasuk says, right? Atem mehem. Those you can, those the Jews can acquire as slave, right? If the father was called a toshav, right, not an actual Kanani, but like a passerby, and not from the actual land of Kanani. In that particular context, you could actually acquire that that slave. As we finally arrived on the Aleph, but they can't acquire. Jews as slaves, nor can they acquire one another as slaves. So what? So wait a minute. So this means that you can't acquire each other as slaves. Says very shlakish as follows. We're not done yet. Says You might have thought that Avodah can't acquire one another. Says the Gemara. What do you mean? You might have thought that. That's literally what we said. That's what the pasuk says. What do you mean? You might have thought that means they can't acquire one another. Literally, the pasuk says that they can't acquire. Literally, the uh, not the, the pasuk, but the drush of the pasuk is that says Vishlankish, No, no, no. You have to split the difference here a little bit more precisely as follows. That yes, when it comes to Kenyan aguf, over the kachavim can't be kona Kenyan aguf. You might have thought that they also can't make a transactional acquisition of, of each other's right productivity, what we call the Maisa dime, but that's not the case. That you can be Conan. Amat and we know that from a Kalvachomer as follows, because over Yisrael because as Rashi even explains, right? Right, Kone Yisrael, as Rashi says in the third line on Ger. In other words, right, and Ovid Kachavim can even have, right, a non-Jewish uh, person can even have a transactional, uh, right, uh, ownership over a Jewish employee. Sure, for his for his productivity. Sure, Ovid Kachavim, Ovid Kachavim, Ovid Kachavim. Well, if you can have a Jewish employee, certainly you can have a non-Jewish employee. And therefore, with regards to the Maisei Daim Reish Lakish, in this explanation of the pasuk. I deduced that certainly the Maisei Daimi can be Kone. This is all a long way of showing that what? The captors, the Ovnik Achavim, who capture the slave, do have some level, right, of, over this, over, uh, some Kenyan over this, Evid Kanani, to the level of Maisei Daim, and it is that ownership that they're transferring to the person who's ransoming, okay? So the Gemara says, okay, but Emahani Mila Bekaspa, so uh, as Rashi says, so if that's the case, maybe we're talking all about um, transactional, right? So that's an interesting question the Gemara is asking as follows. Okay. Yeah, <coughs> you can have, excuse me, a, a non-Jewish boss, but this is, but this is the, a salary, right? A person's getting purchased. That's a purchase. A purchase is a type of a Kenyan where you're giving money, but, but capturing is different. Capturing is not purchasing. Capturing is a chazaka. Right, capturing means you're taking by force. So, say a dime and paying for it, and you know having an employee where you're paying, and then you own the productivity. That we understand. But who said that you could capture them and get that type of uh, that you could actually acquire it transactionally that way? That's what wouldn't be necessary in order for the captors of the slave to have any ownership over them. So Gemara says, how do you know that they can even capture it and have some level of ownership over the slaves that way? 
Again, this is all to explain how Rava would explain that even after Yesh, there's some sort of capture. Because after Yesh, again, if there was no Yesh from the original Baal, so then it should probably go back to the original Baal, and there's no transaction really going on. But if there is Yesh from the original Baal, as Rava suggests, then you need to have transaction through these captors. How does that work? So, Amar of Papa, Amanu Moav, Tihar Yes, we have a what? A precedent in the Torah where we saw captives, and the captives sure did have ownership. How so? Amanu Moav, what happened? We were not allowed, I'll just say it outside, the Psukim and the Torah say you can't capture Amanu Moav. You can't bother them. Okay. But what happened? Tiharu Besichon, right? This is like when, you, when you're in YU and you, you can't go into Shidduchim with a yeshivish girl, so you go through the Tahara process in the mirror for a couple of years, and now you're a yeshiva girl, right? So th- this is like the analogy. These were Amanu Moav. You can't capture Amanu Moav, but once Sichon captured them, so then you could capture the Sichon. <laughs> Even though they were originally Amanu Moav, you're not capturing from Amanu Moav, you're capturing Sichon. Okay, so that made it kosher. That made it kosher to capture those people. Okay, so Sichon, obviously, that wasn't transactional. It was captivity, right? So the fact that we could capture Sichon after Sichon captured Amunu Moav, that means that, um, that there was a transactional, right? Ashkachan over Kachavim, that is transactional, and therefore that shows you that, that, that in fact, Sichon really did acquire ownership of the land and the slaves. Right? And therefore, there's such a thing as Ovedek uh, capturing ownership of land slaves. No time for this, but of Devonsol, according to the great Dafyomi master, Rabbi Leibowitz, has a beautiful um, Goranitz Musser moment out of this, basically saying to the effect of, because, you know, uh, because when Sichon captured Amun Moav, they probably thought they were hot stuff, that they were really, you know, doing good. But really, they were just a pawn in Hashem's greater game. They were really, they were capturing it so that the Jews can then capture that land. Okay. Uh, be that as it may, Ashkachan over Kachavim over Kachavim says the Gemara. So we see that Sichon, who's Goyim, could capture Amunim over Goyim, but over Kachavim is from Minayan. How do we know that over the Kachavim can actually capture Jews? Says the Gemara, Dechsev Vayash Mimenu Shevi. Right. This is when Canaan heard, and they made, and the Canaan heard, they tried to fight us, and they took captives. So we see that they captured. Who did they fight? They they, they fought Jews. Right. This is in Sefer Bamidbar. So they fought Jews. And, uh, and therefore, we see that even in the context of Jews, the Ayodei have a Kenyan. Okay. So now, Amram Shem but Abram Yochanan. Okay, so this is the, all the background of this idea of an, of an Eved that gets captured and then you, and then you um, ransom him. Now, the case that Rabbi Yochanan is talking about now is an Eved Shabarachim Beis Asurim. What would happen if an Eved flees? A fugitive slave flees um, from, you know, jail or captivity. Yatza l'cheiris. So there he goes free. And he can no longer serve anybody. Not only that, even if we find out, we found the slave, we see him, he's here, we'll tell the master, give him a get shechur, free him because he ran away from captivity, that gets freed. So that's different than somebody who gets ransomed. Why so? After all, we say, it's none. Our Mishnah says otherwise, right? Don't forget. In the Mishnah that we learned yesterday, there was a machlokas between the Rabbanon and Reb Shimon ben Gamliel. And Reb Shimon ben Gamliel said that no matter what the case is, he goes back to slavery. 
And not only that, but Rashim ben Gamliel is one of the most underrated Tanaim of all time, as we say, Amar Rabba Bar Bachana Amar Biochanan, the great Rosh Shiva Biochanan claimed this follows. Anytime you see Rashim Gamliel in the Mishnah, we hold like him. So if Rabbi Yochanan vouches for him, then that's a big endorsement, and that is amazing. There are three exceptions. They are Chutzmi Arev, Vitzidon, Uraya Chrono. We could spend a month discussing these three cases, but Arev is basically the case of in Babakama Kufayin Gimel. When you have a cosigner, what is exactly the, the, the liability of a cosigner on a loan, right? At what point do you go to the cosigner for the money? Tzidon is in Git 9 Dal, so we'll get to it. It's called the Get that's given in Tzidon. It's a very special context. And Raya Chrona is in Sanhedrin, Daflamad Aleph, which Bezat Hashem will get to, where you discuss in the course of a Bezdin proceedings, at what point do you close the case and no longer listen to a Raya, what's called a Raya Chrona, which is uh, like another closing argument, right? Or another argument, uh, evidence that's brought in Right, in the final hour, right? That's why it's called Raya Chorona, final hour kind of evidence. So anyways, in those three cases, we happen to say that we don't pass on Shem Gamliel. He offered a machlokus um, with the Rabbanon there. But in every other case, which is actually unbelievable, actually, Barry, because don't, don't we say that Yachid Karabim, Malachid Karabim, you have the Rabbanon against the Das Yachid. And yet we still go to Shem Gamliel. So again, one of the most underrated time of all time. Be that as it may, or Shimon Gamliel in our Mishnah said what? It's not one of the three exceptions. And in our Mishnah, Shimon Gamliel says, these slaves always go back to being slaves. So how can Rabbi Yochanan say, it was Rabbi Yochanan himself, right, who, who's, who's endorsing of Shimon Gamliel, who says that they always go back to slavery, and he says that if the fugitive slave go, get, gets free. So the Gemara says, huh, Bishlem So again, now we go back to the Machlok Zabai and Ravid. Don't forget, Abaye was the one that said, that it was lifnei yehush, right? Mishnah mala baye. I can understand mokel alahai lifnei yehush. Our whole Mishnah, and thus the opinion of Shimon Gamliel, was with the original Baal didn't have yehush. The highlacher yehush. So maybe that's the difference. The difference is that our Mishnah is before the original Baal had yehush, and therefore he goes back to slavery. Whereas the Brisa is after the Evet had yehush, and therefore after yehush, maybe he goes free. Ella larava. But according to Rava, who we started with, who says, right? So Rava poses more of a problem to this price because according to Rava, the original Baal had Yehush, and still Rav Shimon Gamliel would say that he goes back to slavery, whereas the Brisa says that, that he gets free. So how are you going to explain Rava, the, the this, right, contrast between the Mishnah and the Brisa? Kasha de Yochanan de Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan himself is contradicting himself because Rabbi Yochanan says you hold like Rav Shimon Gamliel and he goes back to captivity uh, in our Mishnah even after Yehush according to Rava as well, but in the Brisa you see that he goes free. Says the Gemara Amar Lach Rava Rava, come on, you got this. This is of course, he says this is weak sauce. This is an obvious Svara. Time Amai. Those are two different scenarios. Our Mishnah after all, say it outside first is talking about Ransoming of slave. And what was the reason of Rava that he says he goes back to a master? Because we don't want somebody to go and join a gang. We don't want a slave to join a gang as a way of freeing himself. Okay, but that only applies to when you're getting ransomed, right? So time of Ayim That was the reasoning of Chizkiah that we said in Lamed Zion. That you don't want the slave to go join a gang in order to be freed. 
But Boreach, shiny. But even Chizkia would have to agree that the case that's brought in the Bryce of a fugitive, that's different. Because Hashtad Liktalam Asar Nefshay. Yeah, he's taking his life in his hands. Fugitive, Barry, are you kidding? That's dangerous. That, he'll never be incentivized to do that. That you're, you're risking your life and limb. So again, it would be easy if you knew you would be ransomed to join a gang as a, as, as a trick, right? As a shtick to get out of your slavery. But, but running away from the gang, that's never easy. And therefore, the case of the Bryce is you're running away from the gang. If he's running away, then gazunta hate. Let him be free, right? Because that's not the, the Svar of Chizkia as applied to Rava. Whereas if he's ransomed, so that falls into the Svar of Rava. And therefore, uh, therefore, if he is in fact uh, risking life and limb, like Talamasu Nafshe, Apule, Apil Nafshe, Legayasa, you think he's going to give himself up to these Gayasas in the first place? Was that the plan? To join a gang and then run away from the gang? That's not a good plan. That would never be the plan. And therefore, uh, fugitives are in fact set free in the Brisa, but ransomed not. Okay. And now we're going to have stories to that effect. So, 22 lines down. I'm Tayyid Marshmallow Ishtabai. So, there was a female Evid Kanani uh, woman that Shmuel had, and she was taken captive, sure enough. Parkour Lashim Amhasa. So, some Jude ransomed her to keep, to keep her a slave. Vishadru Alei. And they sent her back to Shmuel. And they said the following. Shalchulay. They said, Right? We all like Hashem Gamliel. So that's why we're giving her back to you. You, at, maybe you hold like their abundance. So therefore, if that's the case, so just know, don't forget, the shita of abundance was, it depends whether you are ransoming her for freedom or for slavery. So he says like this. We did belt and suspenders. We hold like Hashem Gamliel, so she'd go back to slavery anyway. But we didn't know. Maybe you, Shmuel, hold like Lerabanan. So therefore, we ransomed her Bedafka for slavery, so that even if you hold like Lerabanan, she goes back to you. So either way, Miman of Shach, she goes back to you. Gezunta hate, enjoy your slave woman. We got her back for you. Okay. So now the Gemara says, they may have made an erroneous assumption, these guys, because Inu Yushava. Yeah, they assumed, right, that. The original that Shmuel had not given up on this woman, but Lohi, but that was not the case. The Acher Yehushava, it was after they gave up. So, if after Yehush, if you're talking about Abaye, certainly, so then he would he he should go free anyway. So it says the Gemara. Shmuel himself, not only did he have Yehush, he held that therefore he's not supposed to be. Enslaving her, and therefore, not only did he think that she was free, but now we bring in another wrinkle. Not only, so again, when we're talking about the scenarios of where the Evid, right, there are scenarios within the Baal Achar Yehush that, let's say, the original Baal had Yehush, after captivity, if you ransom the slave, the slave goes free. The big question is like this in a classic case where you have an Evid Kanani. And you set them free. You give them a get shechor. We already learned about a get shechor. We're learning gittin. We already learned about get shechor in gittin. So you give them a get shechor, and that's an emancipation document. However, when we have the halacha that the ransomed slave goes free, well, do they need a star shechor, or is the halacha is that they just go free? So Shmuel not only held that the slave goes free, but Shmuel held that they don't even need a get shechor. That they go free, and that procedure in itself of being ransomed is what sets them free. Wow. How do we know? Because Shmuel is consistent with his own idea. Right? There's different ways to free a slave. You could give him a get shechur, that's fine. Or you could just be mafkir them. 
right? Make them hefker. And that in itself frees them. And they no longer, right, they're ownership, ownerless now. And they don't, don't need a get shecher once they're ownerless. They don't belong to anybody. Shenemar, where does he learn it? Bechol evet ish miknas kesef. Right? When you look at the Pasuk in Shmos, Sefer Shmos, it teaches you that what, that you can't uh, eat the carbon Pesach until not only you are circumcised, but also everybody in your household and also all your slaves. Now, in this particular context, there is an extra ish, Evid ish, right? It says, we call Evid ish. Well, wait a minute. Evid ish is superfluous. The word ish is superfluous. You know why, Andrew? Because you can't circumcise your female avodim. That's not a thing. So the word, it's obvious that you need to be circumcised, that, that the Evid avodim that need to be circumcised are the males, because those are the only ones that can be circumcised. So why, so why do you say ish? Evid ish, v'lo Evid isha? What do you mean? Did you think that you were going to circumcise the female of Adam? No. So, so what is the extra word each teaching you? That if you have, that if the, um, uh, right, the, if the master has control over him, he's called an Evid. However, meaning if he's still in your Rishus before your Mafkar, that's an Evid. However, but once you don't have Rishus over him, which is to say, right, Shmuel is learning from the Pasuk that once you're mafkir and Evid, he's not called an Evid anymore. Well, so that's the thing. There's two ways to free an Evid. You could say, yes, you're an Evid, but you now have a Shtar Shechur, or you could say you're no longer an Evid, you're ownerless now. And therefore, that is another way of freeing them. That's what Shmuel learned. Fine. Another incident, 20 lines up. Okay. The slave woman of Abba Barzutra was taken captive in Parka, Hutar Mudal, Shum Isisa. Um, and a Ovid Kachavim Tarmudah ransomed her, intending her to take her as a wife. So he's non-Jew, but he so non-Jew ransomed her. So Shalchu Leila Diday. So the rabbis in that community sent Rabbi Abba a message. Said I Yos Avata, if you wish, right to do right, if you want to do the right thing and free her from this Tarmudai, Shdar Legidat Cherusa, you should send her a Shtar Shechur. So wait a minute. First of all, Tarmudaim. Did I go through a Tarmudah deep dive last night? Yes. You might f- remember when Hillel was bothered by the guy who wanted to learn the whole Torah. He asked why the Tarmudah had slanted eyes. That was in Shabbos Lamed Aleph. Or earlier in Shabbos Tafchaf Aleph, that Achatich Laregem and Ashuk. They said, until when? The Shabbos Tafchaf Aleph is the Hanukkah Gemars. So, my, my Hanukkah. So, what, what was the Achatich Laregem and Ashuk? That's until when do you light the Hanukkah candles till the Tarmudayim. There were wood merchants. There's a whole hawk about how Rashi knows that they're wood merchants. And they're the last ones in the Shuk. Anyway, long story short, Tarmudayim. So the Tarmudayim were like, they were poor, kind of low-livey type, type uh, dudes. There's a lot there. But be that as it may, what do you want to do? You want to get her out of the hands of this Tarmudayim. It's, it's derogatory too. In most cases, hey That's why. That's why the guy was trying to harass Hillel by asking about the Tarmudaim. Be that as it may, what's the case? If the rabbis could ransom her, why are we telling right Rabbi Abba to send her a get shichur? And if they couldn't ransom her, how does a get shichur help? In other words, right? If you hold like Shmuel, right? This woman was captured. Okay. So she was captured. So if so, ransom her, and then she goes free. Or don't ransom her, in which case the get shukur doesn't help her. She's she was ransomed by a non-Jew, a Tarmudoi who owns her. 
So the Gemara says, no, the Olam Dematsu Parkila. Actually, they were capable of ransoming her, right? Uh, so, the Mishadela, right? But since, Gita the Cherusa, but once Rabbi Abba sent her a Gecherus, Chabur Mechabri Ahadadu Farkela. That's what Rashi says. It's unlike Rabbi Shimon Gamliel that the Jews would be inspired to band together and then they would raise the money. In other words, he said like this. Right now, so it was a shtick, right? So we didn't understand what was going on, but now we do. What's going on is like this. The Tarmudai ransoms her, and now she's under the Tarmudai. We want to incentivize the Tarmudai to let her go. How are we going to do that? By giving her a star shikhar. And what's that going to accomplish? Because the Tarmudai didn't know necessarily that she was a slave woman. When we give her a star shikhar, the Tarmudai will realize that she's a slave woman, and he will no longer be interested in her as a wife. He took her like as a wife. He would no longer be interested. He'll be like embarrassed, right, to have taken on the slave woman. He kind of got duped. He didn't realize that it wasn't what he thought it was. And therefore, he's going to let her go for that reason. That's one explanation, right? But Ibai same another explanation. They were not capable of ransoming her. That's what I just explained now. So there's two different ways of doing it. The first one was Chabur Mechabre, right? The Rashi says, right? You incentivize, so I said it a little bit wrong. What I just said is the second thing. The first thing is you want to incentivize the Jewish community, right? So if you're going to tell them that it's going to be a shtar shichur, in other words, if he sends her a shtar shichur, the Jewish community is incentivized to free her because they like freedom, right? Who are these activists in the Jewish community? The activists are social activists that want to free slaves, okay? So therefore, if, if, if it's going to be like of Shimon Gamliel, that freeing her is just going to be turning her to the original Baal, they're not going to be incentivized to do it. We, of course, wanted to get out of from under the thumb of the Tarmudai. So we have two different approaches. Either giving her the get shikhar is going to incentivize the Jewish community to give a godfather offer to the Tarmudai and free her that way. Or we buy same, alolam delamatsu parkila, became the shadow which I just read. Right, That's the first thing I said. That by, by actually giving her the get shikhur, even though you can no longer ransom her, it's going to be mezalzel her status in the eyes of Tarmadoy, and he's going to get rid of her for that reason. The Amar Mar, but the Master says, But to that second patent, we thought, didn't we say that the Goyim liked the, even the behemoths of Israel better than their own wives? Meaning, he's not going to let her go just because he gave her star shikhur, says the Gemara. Yeah. Deep down, they love the, the, the stuff of the Bnei Israel more than their own wives. But publicly, he's going to be humiliated once he hears that she's an ama, once he hears that she's a slave. And so publicly, he can't live with the shame, and so he'll let her go for that reason. Fine. So now eight lines up in the bottom. There was a Canaanite woman in Pumadisa. People were abusing her unbelievably all the time. Abai said, I would have wanted to free her and have her marry, as Rashi says, right? Uh, have her marry a Jewish guy who'll protect her. But for the, but for the fact that there is a violation of an assay to be Meshachar and Evid Kanani, right? But if there weren't that violation, I would force somebody, her master, to marry her, because of the get to the or at least write her a get shikhar 
And then what? The last Rashi on Lamachesamadala, I would force her master to give her get shekhar, then she'd be freed, she'd be Jewish, fully Jewish, and then somebody can marry her and protect her. However, it's such a case even Rabbi Yehuda would say that because of all these prohibited acts that people are performing on her, that they even, even Rabbi Yehuda Mishmuel would allow her to be freed. Does a buy not hold of this? And there it is. There was a case where a woman, she was a half, half, uh, and half shivcha. How does that happen? Yeah, because she was co-owned and only one of them freed her. We turned to Abchesson and they forced her to be a Baschoran. You should not have turned her into Baschoran. So apparently he held, right, that you should not. Right, so that, that's against Abaye, actually, that they acted in a permissive manner after that. So you can free a slave woman, right, but that contradicts Abaye. So Gemara says, Hachi Hashta, those two cases are very different. Yeah, in the case of a Chazi Evid Chazi Ben Choran, it's a very unique case. Uh, if, if you free her, you, you, you still, you're, you're in a, you're in a wild situation where you can only date a Chazi Evid Chazi Ben Choran, you're not allowed to shidduch resumes. But here, in the case of the Pumpadisan woman, her master can can uh, designate her as a slave, and then she can have, and then she, afterwards she can become fully Jewish, and then she has a much wider shidduch resume pool to, to. And so those two cases are very, very different. Now going back to the prohibition of freeing them, Gufa five lines down. Now this is the locus classicus of. You're not supposed to let an Evakanani free. Again, we said maybe for their own good because you're going to take good care of them. So, And again, not only are you going to take care of them, but also, okay. So, and they're keeping mitzvahs and everything in your house. Uh, of course, once you free them, they're fully fledged Jewish. The famous case, right? The Gemara, where Eliezer couldn't find him in And he freed him for what reason? Just to, so he could be counted in a minion, because now he's a full-fledged Jewish convert. So it says the Gemara, mitzvah shiny. So in other words, isn't that a violation of la'olam ve'em ta'avodu? Isn't it a violation of the naseis? He said, yeah, for the mitzvah you could do that. So tana rabbanu, la'olam ve'em ta'avodu, rishus, divir rabbi shmal, rabbi kiva, omer chova. So that's the question. Is it a rishus or a chova? To, is it a good thing or an obligation to keep the slaves? V'dilma rabbi liyazah, sarva la'kimanda, omer shus. Maybe you could say the reason why Rabbi Eliezer allowed to free them for a minion is because he held that it's a rishus, but, uh, but, and not a chover to keep the slaves. Not really true because in a brisa elsewhere, it says explicitly that Rabbi Eliezer holds that it's a chover to keep the slaves. Okay? So we'll finish with this. There are three things that are the worst transaction, transgressions that'll bring down a whole household. How so? Three things. One, demafke of Daila Kharusa, freeing their slaves. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to keep them and treat them well. Or checking out all your properties and your stocks and your land on Shabbos, even though you're not, you're doing it in a way that's not a violation of the malachas, that's not allowed. And finally, we'll finish with this, the Kabe Sudasa Bishabatsa Kiddush Club. When the rabbi, as Rashi says, is giving his drusha, you're not allowed to walk out. There are two families in Yerushalayim. And these are the two worst things you could possibly do. One is to make a Kiddush club during the rabbi's drasha. And the other thing is to make a Suda on Erev Shabbos. As Rashi says, both are uprooted. So the two worst things you could do in the world, and we'll leave off over here.
in the middle of base is either leave the, sh- the, the rubs drush and make a kiddush club or do a tomea on Erev Shabbos. Everybody have a good Shabbos.